0: radical episode one ninety nine welcome radical (laughs) ladies and gentlemen um i uh i am on my back i am taking it easy and uh need to i guess let you guys in on you know some of the 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 goings on in in my life obviously uh the past two weeks i've been uh i guess short on my shows and um you know, my apologies for that. I've been trying to get ready. Um, like I said, I'm on my back, and um, a lot of you guys know that I've been here for a long time. That I've had um, some severe back issues, uh, especially just given the the course of my life. You know, just a lot of intense activity, uh, whether it's you know growing up playing football or uh, you know or just you know crazy amounts of ridiculous grueling work. You name it uh it has taken its toll long enough and i decided to finally get something done um as we're going into this uh crazy time you know trying to make sure that i'm at the best physical condition i can uh for when things are possibly going to be you know the worst in terms of economy and everything else just because you never know um so anyway yeah i uh to kind of give you guys behind the scenes last thursday um, I got, uh, bumped up and in the order of things and finally got to go in and have, uh, disc decompression surgery and, uh, and two levels. I won't say which ones for, uh, for, for security and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've, I've kind of been tight lipped about this. It's, um, one of those things where in terms of my own security, family security and all that kind of stuff, you don't want to be advertising, Hey, you know, I'm going into surgery at this point or whatever. So, um, you know, That was kind of me in the background getting a lot of things taken care of um, before I went in for this uh, surgery so that, you know, things were kind of set. So when in past shows I've talked about, you know, nesting and, and all that kind of stuff, that's part of the reason um, behind this and you know my apologies for not getting you guys the makeup show and the second show last week I owe you guys like four shows this week um, two extra shows so I'm going to work on that um, I am in bed I am somewhat loopy uh, there are you know I'm trying to heal this as naturally as possible um, got a just a slew of different uh, types of drugs and started researching some of them and I was like yeah I'm not taking this I'm not going to take that and we'll uh, we'll try this, you know, a little more Eastern method, uh, if you know what I mean. And I'm sure a lot of you do. And I'll tell you, I'm, uh, I'm having a lot of good success with it. Um, up and moving, I am, uh, you know, the first, first day or so uh, wasn't so bad. And thanks to my amazing wife and, uh, you know, my kids, they've been just awesome through this, um, you know, first day it wasn't so bad for me um you know and I didn't think it would be if you've ever had surgery before a lot of times the worst is day 2 and 3 um possibly uh day 4 this is kind of day 4 for me so um it's kind of interesting the the day I had surgery uh, a couple of my cousins were in town from Michigan uh guys that i've always loved and the fact that they were here at the same time i was like you know bring them over um and, you know i really wasn't hurting or anything at that point it was just you know really sit around take it easy so we got to sit around the fire that night with them um and life was 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 post-op uh that night was pretty good uh probably still recovering from a lot of the uh, sedation because they do a general anesthesia when they do this procedure and so I sat around and had a good talk and I was like, well, you know, probably gonna be on my back for the next, you know, three or four days, maybe five, six, who knows after that. And, um, depending on just what the body's reaction is to the, the decompression. And so at any rate, uh, about day two, I started feeling it pretty good. Uh, and it was, you know, probably one of the worst day two and three, in terms of uh, in terms of pain, and you know, I wanted to get I wanted to get another show out, and I thought I could have done it Friday, but I was a little too loopy and didn't want to put you guys through that, so um, kind of just toughed it out and and took um, some Advil and you know some like I said some more n- natural. Uh, approaches to this and, not, and and really kind of put on some happy stuff to either listen to or watch, uh, and, and just really tried to rest. And I think that's a huge, you know, part of our lives that a lot of people miss anyway. Like rest is just one of those extremely healthy things you can do for your body. It should be really number, like one of your number one priorities, like one or two, right? Like your nutrition and, and what you do in terms of, uh, you know, getting enough rest is, I know it's, it's hard in this day and age, um, with everything going on, but you know, a lot of times unplugging and and getting that extra hour, maybe two, if you can, if you can get in bed by nine, that way, if you, you know, you got to be up at five, six o'clock in the morning, then you're at least sleep, you know, pretty well rested seven, eight hours of sleep possibly. And, you know, as as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of realized just how important that rest is. Uh, and, you know, I, I recommend it obviously. Um, if you're hearing things in the background, I'm not in my studio. I'm in, I'm in my bedroom. Um, and I'm just recording this on the phone and I'll upload it later, but, uh, it's, it's coming around. Um, my, my hips and everything are back in better alignment. I should say, uh, they aren't in complete alignment, but what happens a lot of times with, uh, some of the the symptoms I have is my, my muscles around my midsection and hips, they will kind of spaz, um, to the point where, uh, they guard, which means like they're locking down on one side of my back to protect the nerve on the other side. That's being hit by the disc. Um, where if you've got a disc that's plowing into your, your spinal column and those nerves in the back, that's, that's, what a lot of back pain is caused from. So um I'm still guarding a little bit, but um I definitely feel my hips adjusting and getting back into a more level state. So, you know, um, I guess nothing crazier than, you know, the pain and everything that I've I guess felt from um, you know, episodic type of uh, injury, you know, or re-injury or aggravation over the, the course of the past 15 to 17 years, uh, with this thing. So I'm, uh, I'm optimistic. I'll keep you guys, um, kind of in the loop of what's going on with it, but I appreciate everybody who has kind of known in the background, um, all the, all the love prayers, good vibes. Um, thank you guys so much for doing all that. And, you know, I've got to, you know, just lay all sorts of praise on, uh, my wife, um, for just, you know, picking up slack around, you know, this and every other time I've ever had to be, you know, horizontal, uh, to rest this thing, you know, and it's, it's not all the time. It might be, you know, once a year, twice a year might be, you know, not at all, but like a lot of times, um, I haven't been able to be at a hundred because of this thing. And every time, you know, she's just, uh, been, you know, like a, an angel for me to, to be able to deal with the kids and, you know, teach them, homeschool them, uh, provide for them. And then obviously cover a lot of times while I'm down is just, you know, absolutely the, uh, I guess one of the biggest blessings in, in my life. So, Definitely need to say that. Um, and kids have been, you know, they've been coming in. I thought my wife might have been like, hey, go spend time with your dad, you know, while he's in there resting. And uh, But no, um, sure enough, they've been just coming in to hang out and um, be super supportive and sometimes watch movies with me and or shows or whatever they want. And, you know, found myself, you know, watching some really good stuff with them. So at any rate, um, it's been kind of cool to just hang out and, and get in these moments, um, making the best out of a a bad situation. Um, but hopefully within the coming weeks, um, this kind of subsides and I've got a, a little bit of a new lease on life as this thing, um, is, you know, able to take, a lot more, (laughs) a lot further reviews. My wife is probably shaking her head, but uh, yeah, this just means, you know, we're going back to, to really hitting it as hard as we can again. Uh, smart, obviously, but um, at the same time trying to, I don't know, use up as much of this life as possible. All right. Like that's, that's the thing is when, when you get to live life and live life hard and, you know, really just use up all the energy and everything else that you got on a daily basis or, you know, as often as you can. I think that's a really healthy way to go through life. You know, it's like you get one of these things and you better make the most of it. Like it's just at the end of the light, you know, at the end of my life, I definitely don't want to be that person's like, man, I wish I would have tried this or I wish I would have tried that. Like there was a time when I was scared to jump off of the proverbial diving board in the deep end, um, in life, you know, I didn't have the confidence. Um, and you know, once I started doing it little by little, it just became more and more of a, a calling, more fun, something that I needed to do. So hopefully this gets me back to it, but a lot of stuff going on in the world. I've tried to stay away from the news. I, I turned it on a little bit this morning on on Monday morning just to see, what was going on, and it just looks like everybody and their brother doesn't matter what news network it is, you know, obviously wants to escalate things over in uh, Ukraine. Um, obviously, gas is a big story. Energy costs are way up. We're looking at eight dollars a gallon of gas, and I, I don't think we're anywhere close to where this thing is going. Um, not not even close, um, honestly. We're we're looking at, um, I think. I think you're finally seeing, you know, most people are finally seeing what I'm talking about. When I say it's the collapsing empire, like this is it. This is a collapse of the monetary system. You've got all these people around the world talking about CBDCs, uh, which I think in the last show we talked about a little bit, CBDCs are uh, central banking uh, digital dollars. Right. So when, when, we're looking at CBDCs. We're talking about control, nothing more, nothing less. It is absolute, uh, you know, population control, and they will continue to try to entice people to take CBDCs, to use CBDCs, to, you know, put into a system, um, you know, of remittance of exchange, uh, CBDCs so that everything that you do, and everybody that you transact with, uh, is controlled. And I think that's obviously, um, you know, the, they're going to use all sorts of tactics here. Um, they're going to use scare tactics. Um, they're already doing it. And you look at, you know, the way they're demonizing, you know, uh, Bitcoin for things like, uh, you know, energy usage when, you know, really, if you look at it, from an energy uses perspective and you, you understand that they're just using up the extra energy that is being lost on the grid anyway, which is normally five to 6% of everything produced by any power plant is lost. Um, if you're using Bitcoin miners to, uh, you know, proof of proof of work, the blockchain and the background, you're not, Losing it you're actually adding value to a system uh, a a public ledger peer-to-peer cash system So at any rate, um, you know, like I said, they're gonna attack those things. They're going to They're going to go after people that are Bitcoiners. I guarantee it like it's just a matter of time Uh, I don't know how popular it's gonna be especially um, You know given that a lot of us, you know, like I'm a I'm a millennial on the razor's edge of being gen X I mean really could probably you know live in both worlds uh, fairly easily if somebody said you had to pick you know one of these uh, one of these groups to live in right like I could probably do both effortlessly I mean I do both effortlessly let's let's face it, but um you know there's a lot of people out there that understand and have been told their entire lives that things like Medicare, Medicaid, social security, all the you know public safety nets, whether you're in the u s or around the world are going to fail before you ever recognize them and that obviously causes a big big problem for people who are in um, you know having having their life liberty and property taken away from them by force um, you know while the government's still saying oh yeah you still got to pay into it you know that's that's it's going to not get any better with time. You know, the, the public, uh, resentment is going to grow. This is just a, it's a ticking time bomb. And as inflation, you know, it, you know, by their own standards at 7.9%, I guess, which is a nonsense number per the CPI. Um, what you're looking at is, you know, less and less and less faith and less adherence. And, less credibility uh for everybody that's having that money taken from them through force and coercion and that over time breeds resentment and it also breeds conflict which hopefully um you know obviously here I talk about peace and liberty and uh and consent you know hopefully you know if you know bitcoin you know that that kind of takes away from it so um what I wanted to bring up was this article from, uh, Bitcoin magazine. Uh, I've, I've spoke to author about using, uh, his articles and he's going to join me later once I'm recovered. And, um, that's another reason I haven't had a whole bunch of people on the show is just because I haven't known, um, exactly how my, my back was going to react at any certain time. And so, I apologize. You know, if if you guys really like the um, the people coming on the show uh, as guests, that's gonna that's gonna start up in earnest, and hopefully we'll have a lot more done in studio here in the near future as well. Um, but uh, definitely plan on having a lot of these extremely smart people up, uh, from the Bitcoin community, uh, and the Mises caucus. And, you know, if we have an opportunity to, uh, opportunity, especially during this governor run to, you know, possibly host, um, other governor candidates, um, whether they're here in Georgia or around the country, uh, I'm going to do that. But because of everything being, uh, so politicized, these days, uh, I wanted to pick up this article. Um, this is by uh, Joachim. Uh, his name is Joachim Book. And uh, that book is his last name. Uh, Joachim is J-O-A-K-I-M. Joachim, I, it might be. Um, I haven't met him personally. We've just spoken through some uh, correspondence on Twitter. But uh, seems like an extremely bright guy. He wrote this opinion piece uh, for Bitcoin Magazine on March 10th. And the title of it is Bitcoin was made for this the apex of apolitical. So we'll uh, we'll go through this. The uh, the subtitle is the entirety of Bitcoin's existence is dedicated to its usability by anyone, regardless of their intent. Satoshi Nakamoto's invention was made to be apolitical. It was made for users to avoid being held monetary hostage to rulers who didn't approve of their transactions or their political defiance. Its existence means that despicable dictators can't fund, can't take funds from you or stop you from transacting over apolitical payment rails. Flashy words like uncensorable and without a trusted third party might not mean much to rule-abiding Westerners who have never had their accounts seized, their paychecks blocked, or their assets sanctioned. For some of the millions of people living under questionable regimes worldwide, the lifeline that Bitcoin provided has been the difference between life and death, survival and starvation. The ability to get out and to avoid the controls the rulers place on you was always Bitcoin's greatest promise. In recent years, the examples where Bitcoin has excelled in humanitarianism are plenty, and Bitcoiners have proudly treasured this, showing how the orange coin was above the rest of the crypto sphere's memes and pump and dump schemes. Bitcoin has allowed individuals and small marginalized groups to stand up to dictators, finance Belarusian insurgents, let Nigerian web designers bypass their corrupt regime, and allow Argentinians a workable store of value, and let them avoid capital controls and Fix Palestinians' monetary headaches. Salvadorians have, since last year, been able to remit funds back to El Salvador better and cheaper than they could have before. Simply put, Bitcoin fights monetary colonialism. It's freedom money. We got a preview of that point earlier this year with the Canadian truckers and their crowdfunding hassles. A government with a strong political agenda turned the apparatus of the state into the protesters of which its its leaders so aggressively approved, calling them names, prosecuting them for made up charges, blocking payments, voiding insurance policies and seizing funds. Bitcoiners hailed to the rescue proudly displaying how Bitcoin is above such pesky political conflict as an apolitical money it can step into the monetary void even when the powers of government and a captured banking system stood against the protesters. I'm going to pause um, during this a little bit here and there. I think this part is just so missed or undervalued in terms of a, uh, a principle and a prospect, a, an understanding of what they just said. It didn't care about political conflict and it definitely didn't care about the government's captured banking systems. That is maybe one of the most powerful things about Bitcoin. The banks know the central banks know what this is. They know that it is immutable. They know that there is a finite supply of it. They know that it is decentralized and they know that it is catching because of their tyranny, their inflation, their manipulation of markets. They are scared to death of it. The most powerful organizations in the world. No Bitcoin. They know that they can do nothing about it and they are scared to death. The only thing that they have left is trying things like CBDCs, complete and total control. They can't come out and support Bitcoin because if they do, then a lot of their balance sheets are going to be absolutely evaporated their power is going to be absolutely evaporated. Every promise that they've ever made in conjunction with the political elite, with the giant corporations will be absolutely 100% completely evaporated. Bitcoin is standing against the banks and it is crushing them without even trying. when you start to understand what that means, it's that picture of everybody who's standing on that board with that one politician that's hanging out over a cliff on that board, whether it's, you know, representative of the banks, the politicians, or the fascist industries, it's that group of people walking off the board. the only thing that could possibly save the people that are involved in the murder cult, you know, the, the aristocratic combination, the elites at this point that are so heavily leveraged in dollars or some other fiat currency. The only thing that could possibly save them is to join those people on the other end of the board before it's too late before that board falls off the cliff and the last people walk off of it. That's it. This is absolutely the brightest piece of optimism that I can possibly share with people. And in these times where things are unsteady, that's what I'm here to do. I want to make sure, one way or another, whether you've got food, whether you've got land, whether you've got water, energy, if you don't have any of those things, that maybe you've got something that you can trade when the CBD, when the CDBC system gets rolled out cause it's coming, it's going to get rolled out. They don't have a choice. When your bank accounts are locked down, like you're not going to have a choice. Hope you've got lead i hope you've got silver i hope you got gold i hope you got all of these things ready to go because times are about to get crazy back to the article a few weeks later it was time for another test and a much bigger one the sanctions imposed by coordinated western powers into russia for its attack on ukraine with bitcoin poised to play center stage against pundits who think they can shape the world by words, sanctions, virtue signaling, and self flagellation Reality is a harsh mistress. In the fiat standard, Dr. Amos correctly argues that Bitcoin is the shattering blow to the world view of those who think reality comes from our fiat, by which he means, among other things, government rules and legal proclamations. The centralizing mindset which thinks you can merely issue some government edicts, speak some words, and justice be done, will have a hard time arguing with the cryptographically obstinate obstinate nature of Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't care about your opinions or who you think should be financially cut off from the rest of the world, instead it works, confirming block after-valid block that contains transactions that you may or may not approve of. Now, that the shoe is suddenly on the other authoritarian foot, we quickly learn who held Bitcoin's principles consistently and who were merely using them for some other undisclosed end. The problem with the vast government power is that eventually some distasteful person will turn those powers on you by which time it's too late for you to regret ever supporting the expansion of its influence. Quote, no, Bitcoin won't save Russia from Western sanctions. We learn from Matthews Pines and David Zell at the Bitcoin Policy Institute, and one quickly wonders what happened to all the high-flying ideas of two minutes ago. If Bitcoin can't overcome government sanctions, if Bitcoin isn't capable of offering refuge from currency collapse, if Bitcoin doesn't offer an escape from an all-encompassing government powers, what good is it? They offer a few reasonable predictions, the most convincing of which are the China connection and that Russia holds lots of gold. While tricky to ship abroad in exchange for goods and services, gold explains Zoltan Posars to odd lots doesn't have to be sold it can be repoed just like any other financial instrument all you need is a willing financial system somewhere happy to quote reserve in gold in a repo transaction transaction for you to make payments There are two substantive points on why Bitcoin can't help a censored country escape sanctions. Is that Bitcoin market capitalization is too small, 800 billion compared to 400 billion of Russian annual exports. And two, doing so would exaggerate Bitcoin's volatility, which makes it, quote, hard for Russia to predict or manage its commodity revenues. The second point is the least convincing. The entry of a new big buyer would make BTC's volatility worse. Besides compared to what on the sanctioned swift payments, the option is no commodity revenue management at all. The first point sounds clever, but it is simply conflating two factors that have no necessary connection. Market cap is a stock and exports are a flow. So comparing the two makes no sense even if it did onboarding an entire country's industry would probably both increase price and so market cap and induce some prior holders to dispose of them dispose of their coins thankfully bitcoin's velocity is not measured at 1 and it's very close to the velocity measures for the dollar a given amount of sats satoshis can circulate many times in an economy besides The relevant trade goes in the opposite direction of what Pines and Zell's argument requires. Sanctions. With or without the access of chain analysis firms. Don't don't prevent a Dutch or Chinese importer from acquiring Bitcoin, taking it off the exchange, and then sending it to the industry giants like Norilsky, Nickel, or Gazprom in exchange for copper and oil shipments. Can ships be intercepted, oil pipelines cut off, copper delivery seized? Sure. There is even some indication that privately, globally, global shipping companies are refraining from doing business with Russian counterparts. That's real world interception that Bitcoin could never address. All Bitcoin does in getting around the monetary obstacles you so naively put in Russia's way. If Bitcoin works only with the regime's permission, it isn't working. And if you think that's a good idea, in this conflict or any other, per Alex Savesky, you should probably sell your Bitcoin. What the Russian sanctions are reminding the world and the Canadian truckers' crowdfunding issues a few weeks ago as a warm up, is that money you thought was yours might not be yours? when your accounts get frozen and payments blocked by those who don't like you. Even ostensibly self-custodial Bitcoin held through MetaMask is now subject to some restrictions as its provider, Infuria, has said that they they will uphold the U.S. sanctions. But this is different. Putin is evil. Sure, whatever. Bitcoin doesn't care all monies are for enemies and the more despicable the enemy the greater the proof of bitcoin's viability whatever the crimes of this masculine horse riding strongman it's the talking heads with outsized control over the u.s dollar monetary system that just showed how terrible and contingent their money is when push comes to shove and your irk When you irk them once too many times, they'll just limit your usage. They may swiftly and brutally decide that the money you thought was yours no longer is. Quote, all the things that make crypto appealing to those under siege apply to those doing the sieging as well. As Rebecca Hayville and Emily Stewart report on Vox, Bitcoin doesn't take sides. Quote, whether it's good or bad in wartime, crypto is doing what its proponents say it does, giving people a way to work outside the traditional financial institutions. And there's no sign that will change anytime soon. For years, Iran has successfully used Bitcoin to avoid sanctions. And a testament to the apolitical nature of BTC North Korea allegedly uses all sorts of cryptocurrency to circumvent the obstacles the rest of the world has placed against its regime. Only time will tell if in this conflict Russia its people companies banks and government can follow suit. Sanctions don't work. In the last week or so sanctions ostensibly designed to punish Russia for its behavior have been implemented. As policy tools to inflict economic damage on your opponent, it is not clear that they work, especially for a large commodity exporting surplus country like Russia. What's so ironic about the tough guy stance taken by the most international organizations is that last time around, Crimea 2014, writing for NATO Review, Edward Hunter Christie concluded that falling oil prices were evidence that the sanctions worked. Back then, Russia's gross domestic product fell and low oil prices severely hurt its export revenue. What, one might ask, does that imply about the round of this round of sanctions? Oil prices have been on an absolute tear, aluminum setting an all-time record, and nickel at an 11-year high. Are we sure these policies are designed to impoverish Russia and not enrich it? Even more icon ironic, are that the many announcements by Western investors and companies with interest in Russia, that they're, them, that they're ridding themselves of these assets at no or any price. The world's largest fund, the Norwegian Oil Fund, wants out of any and all Russian exposure at rock-bottom prices. The British oil and gas company BP announced on February 27th that it exits its stake in Russian energy company Rosneft a loss of assets worth 25 billion followed by similar exits from Exxon and Shell but to whom are you selling there is no buyer brokers or clearing institutions won't touch your shares maybe you just write off the loss or simply tear up the shares or For maximum trolling, donate them to the Ukrainian charity. Maybe they become a cheap entry for deep-pocketed and less moralistic others, say the Qatari Wealth Fund. Exxon, for instance, seems keen on just handing back the shares of their Russian ventures. How does that hurt Russia or prevent her from waging war? Thank you kindly, says whoever ultimately buys their stakes, as well as the Russian companies, now in full control of their oil processing facilities. No longer needing to revenue share with Western counterparts, it's hard to see that this was a loss for anyone but the shareholders of Western oil companies. The always sharp Matt Levin reflects, quote, If you own Russian bonds, it seems increasingly plausible that you might not get paid interest, because it might be illegal if Russia for the issuer to pay the interest and illegal and the West for intermediaries to pass along that interest. And even better, I suppose the last time major land wars were fought in Europe, the settlement system for funding those wars consisted in some sense of moving around piles of gold. And you sort of knew what you were getting. Perhaps the next time major land wars are fought in Europe, the settlement system will consist of transparent, uncensorable transfers on the blockchain and you will sort of know what you are getting but the current settlement system for international financial transfers consists of book entries and regulated at regulated and somewhat policeable central intermediaries and it's not clear anyone quite knows how they're supposed to respond to a war Bitcoin doesn't take sides Bitcoin doesn't care about your opinion or the opinion of others that that others have a view. Bitcoin cares about its consensus rules, whether the proposed block is valid and the transactions therein made by entities wielding their private keys. If you truly desire uncensorable freedom money, some despicable types are going to use it. And that's a good thing. That is the end of the article. The point of this entire article is to show you guys absolutely the rip that is happening with Bitcoin right now. The fact that it is coming under executive orders, the fact that it is coming up for legislation in European countries, the fact that it is being adopted or being proposed to be adopted as legal tender by states, um, the fact that we've got a senator out of Wyoming that is proposing it as legal tender. All of these things are moving extremely fast right now. And uh, I have told you guys multiple times, uh, get your money out of banks and get it off of exchanges. I'm not telling you. Bitcoin is the only place you should have it. There's a lot of things that you should be taking care of. But I will tell you, I think it is a good idea uh, to have a cold wallet and a way to exchange it on the Lightning Network just in case... You know, your neighbors don't have rounds. They don't have silver. They don't have food. They don't have energy to trade. There, are, there is an economy that is going to be forced upon us if we don't want everything that we have ever done or ever will do um, monitored, tracked, and either permitted by the federal government mostly the bankers this is where we're headed yes Bitcoin can be used by bad people but so can all money this in the long run prevents the initiation of force against peaceful people because it's just not the, the return isn't there the return for violence by the state Against people holding Bitcoin that have been peaceful people. There's no political appetite for that. Most people don't want war. As hard as they are trying to sell the war to the U.S. right now. Between Ukraine and Russia. It's not working. Over and over and over again. People are saying no. People are seeing that sanctions are hurting the poor the middle class it's not hurting Putin it's not hurting the, the, the billionaires and millionaires it's hurting the poor we all see it there is a rising of peeps of peaceful people in this world right now to see their connectivity to see the fact that they are standing against the banks and they are winning boy I know we're in for some crazy, weird, tough times, but the faster people can get on board and a new economy with a new currency that is absolutely absence, absent of thieves and murders and crooks and politicians and bankers and fascist organizations, the faster we're gonna be free the faster we're gonna feel like there's some hope in the world, like there's some stability in the world, like we can plan for things in this world. I'm excited about that. That's why I talk about this. That's why I'm gonna continue to talk about it. That's why I'm gonna ramp up everything that I'm doing in terms of people adopting the system and knowing it. You need to study. You need to get at it. You need to get at reading. You need to get at listening. You need to get at understanding what Bitcoin is. And I think we're going to help you do that in this audience a lot more than a lot of people. And we're going to bring a lot of people together, especially over the next few months as I'm running for governor. Like I'm excited to see all of this come together. It is going to change humanity So much for the better. There's going to be a rough time in between. And there always is in the paradigm change. But Bitcoin is kicking their ass right now. The people in the space are kicking ass right now. The fact that they are educating people on money, on monetary history, on economic theory. Man, this is where it all, this is is where you should be studying as young people in quote unquote school we'll get into that another day. But till then, I think I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to try to get you guys a lot more, uh, from the radical, uh, chamber here that I'm using in, uh, in the meantime, but I hope you guys are all good. Uh, thanks again for everything. Thanks for being a great, a great audience and sharing and, and like just you guys are the best and I love you to death. So I will, uh, I will catch you here more this week as I'm, I don't know, getting my strength back until then. I love you. I need you. Peace.